All right, praise God. I forgot they put a microphone on me during that. So good thing I was praying in tongues and speaking the name of Jesus. <laughs> I had never been that scared in my life to do something like that. I was so scared. My wife, she was smiling. She was peaceful. She was like going down. She's like, come on, babe. And I was like, what you saw in that video is true. And you know what? I was more scared to do that than I have been to do anything else. I was more scared doing that than to preach my first time in front of victory. And, and for some of you in this room, it would be a scary thing to maybe get on this stage and preach to everybody, uh, but it wouldn't be as scary to go down 200 feet uh, over a building or to skydive. But the, the, the real thing is faith requires risk. Faith requires us getting out of our comfort zone. Faith requires us doing something that's a little scary. You can't have faith without really facing that fear of what's over that edge. For me, I was scared because no one was with me. I'm being held by a rope. I've never repelled in my life. And they usually try to build up to something. I just went for 200 feet for my first try. And this was in Tulsa. And as I'm going down, I just was thinking about you. And I was thinking about this series. Everybody say faith. I truly believe that God has greater things than you've seen before in your life that he wants to do in you, for you, and through you, but it will require faith. It's gonna require you stepping out of your comfort zone, right? Faith is getting out of that place of fear, out of that place of comfort, and trusting that God can do something supernatural in you, for you, through you, to his glory. Not for your glory, but for his glory. Jesus said in Luke 18, verse eight, that I will return. Jesus is coming back again. When he comes back, he's gonna bring justice. But he says, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Is he gonna find faith in the 11 a.m. church service of Victory Tulsa? Is he gonna find faith on the online watchers, on those that are watching TV, victory all over the world, will he find faith? My friend was watching the Olympics a few weeks ago and he had turned it to that channel and a few hours had passed and he was watching the games and all of a sudden his TV just turned off and he couldn't figure out why his TV turned off and he was looking outside to see if someone was playing a trick on him and had like a remote control and was you know controlling his TV and he ended up going online and researching that there's a mechanism on TVs that when your TV is inactive in other words you haven't changed the channel or turned up the volume for uh, several hours your TV will automatically turn off due to inactivity some of y'all just got a revelation of why your TV's been turning off. <laughs> but I think about faith is dead without works, right? Faith is dead when it's not active. And, and listen, getting saved requires faith. But once we get saved, God wants us to keep growing our faith. Even Jesus grew in his faith. Luke 2 verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. Look at those first two words, Jesus grew. Say that with me, Jesus grew. Now if Jesus grew, shouldn't we grow too? Jesus grew in wisdom. How many could grow in some wisdom? You haven't like graduated your wisdom, right? You can, if there's breath in your lungs, you can keep on learning. He grew in stature. That means he grew in influence. He grew in authority. He grew in boldness. He grew in faith. And then he grew in favor. How many could grow in some favor in your life? How many have reached your limit of favor? No, none of us should raise our hand. We should continue to grow. I remember going back to school in college and, and I graduated high school. Now I'm going back to school. I went to college and many students have just started school. Can we give, where's the students at? Make some noise if you're in high school or college. ORU, VBC, RAMA, TCC, TU, Spartan. A few shouts, all right. <laughs> Come on, but I think about how when you go back to school, you start picking which classes you're gonna take, which classes you're gonna drop, which classes you're gonna add. You, you choose which major you're gonna have. Some people change their major, uh, and there's a short window. In fact, Labor Day weekend is usually the cutoff time for most universities of when you're going to change classes that you're taking or change the major that you're going to take. And many times people will wait until that moment. You can also change which roommate you're gonna have. Uh, you can 
can change what meal plan you're gonna have, how many times you're gonna eat in the cafeteria or when you're going to bring your lunch. And you know what God spoke to me is, Paul, take the church back to school. Bring them back to a place where they start feeding their minds the right thoughts, where they start enrolling themselves into the school of faith. It's time to enroll yourself into the school of faith. Faith is a battle in the mind. Faith is something when you go to school, they stretch your thoughts, they grow your intellect, they, they sharpen your mind, they get you to think about things that you haven't been thinking about. They help you to solve problems that you used to not be able to solve. Well, God wants you to step into a new season of faith, to enroll yourselves into a time where you begin sharpening your thoughts. You begin sharpening the dreams and the ability to overcome fears and the ability to step out of that coast mode. You know, some of us are wondering why we're not doing anything new or fresh or why our faith feels stale or inactive, much like my friend's TV that just turned off. It just went to sleep. It's because we're not stretching ourselves with faith. You know, here's what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith, and by the way, faith is now. It's not 40 years ago. Faith is now. Everybody say now, faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I put a, a few other translations up there. This, this one says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now faith is a well-grounded assurance of that for which we hope and a conviction. Everybody say conviction. Conviction means you just know that you know. He says a conviction of a reality of things that we do not see yet. Faith gives us substance to our hopes and makes us certain of realities that we haven't seen yet. So faith is a battle in the mind. Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. So whatever you feed, whatever you are studying, and some of us have been taking classes on worry. Some of us have been roommates with skepticism. Some of us have been signing up for a meal plan of stress. And God's saying it's time to change the stuff you've been feeding yourself. It's time to change the stuff you've been studying. You know, this summer I was listening to a message from another pastor and he was challenging his church to go into 2016, the, the fall, with a spirit of faith. And his church had gotten to a place of really complacency. They had kind of hit a lid and he said, guys, we're going to finish 2016 much stronger than we started it. We are going to believe God for miracles. We're gonna see God grow this church. We're gonna believe God for uh, fresh ideas and strategy. And we're gonna believe for individuals to experience greater favor than they've ever seen in their lives. And I watched as he began to stir up their faith, God has begun to do that in their church. As I was listening to his message, God began to stir me up. He said, Paul, it's time to stir victory up. We have four months left in this year. Four months, hold up your four fingers. Four months, this is the final quarter, right? This is the moment where God's saying, don't go into coast mode, shift back into drive and put the pedal to the metal and finish 2016 with the spirit of faith. I want to get a running start going into 2017. I don't want to finish this year thinking God's done. There's nothing to be excited about, Paul. Nothing good's going to happen. Anything good that did happen, it happened at the beginning of the year. No, I believe that my latter is going to be greater than my former. But faith is a battle in the mind. It's a battle in the mind. There's a story about a guy named Nick who worked at a railroad yard. And Nick was, he was a, uh, he was a good worker. He was working this afternoon in a refrigerated cart, true story, and he went in there and he was taking in beverages that had to be refrigerated, cold beverages, and all of a sudden the door closed behind him and locked from the outside. He was locked inside of a refrigerated cart. His uh, uh, co-workers, they had gone out to celebrate a birthday of a guy who had just had his birthday that day and they had all left the railroad area. He was all by himself. Begin to bang on the door and scream, hoping that maybe a stranger would walk by. No one came by. He began to shout, I'm gonna freeze to death. I'm gonna freeze to death. This is my final breath. Please, somebody save me. I'm gonna die. And his voice would echo in that cart. And he would hear it over and over, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna freeze to death, this is it, this is, this is the end. 
And he sat down in that cart and he found a piece of cardboard off of one of those beverage boxes. And he got a pen out of his jacket pocket and he began to write down his last words to his wife and kids. The next morning they found Nick. He was frozen to death in this refrigerated cart. He was dead. The interesting fact was the refrigerated cart was only 67 degrees. Now most of you sleep in 67 degrees. Some of y'all be running up the air conditioner bill at your house during the summer. 67 degrees is not a climate where people freeze to death. That's not a climate. The other interesting thing was there was enough air in that refrigerated cart for this man to breathe for the next 24 plus hours and be completely fine. How did he freeze to death then? How did it happen? He accepted it in his mind. He believed, I'm going to freeze to death. I'm going to freeze to death. When they found him, he had frozen to death in a temperature where no one has frozen to death. It's a battle in the mind. Now, that's a sad story. You guys want to hear a better story? All right. Well, this last week, our Victory Christian School football team, they were playing the Bristow Tigers, I think. is the Bristow Pirates. Bristow Pirates. And, and they were out there on the field. And Bristow is bigger than Victory. They're... They're much uh, bigger of a school. They've got more players. They've got almost twice our football team players. They've got bigger, uh, uh, faster guys. And they were picked to beat us. They're a bigger class than our school. And so they were picked to win. And, and our team was playing, playing hard. But by the, uh, towards the end of the third quarter, victory was down by three touchdowns. That's 21 points. Victory was down by three touchdowns. And we're going towards the end of the third quarter. But something started stirring in the minds of our players. They started thinking, we're better than this. We're better than this. Come on, we can do better than this. We can play better than this. This game's not over. We still got one quarter left. We can win this game. Come on, guys. They started pushing each other. They started butting each other's heads. Some of y'all need a headbutt this morning just to wake up your faith. They started rattling each other. Come on, let's go. Let's come back. We can make a comeback. They started stirring up their faith. They went out there and one stop at a time, one interception at a time, they began to make a comeback. They got to the fourth quarter and with a minute and a half left, they had tied the game. Come on, somebody. They had tied the game. It's a battle in the mind. If you think you're done, you will live like you're done. If you think this is as good as it gets, as a man thinketh, so is he. Think like a loser, live like a loser. Think like a conqueror, live like a conqueror. Think defeated, live defeated. Think like a champion, walk like a champion. They begin to think, we can do this. So a minute and a half left, they tied the game up. There's a minute and a half left. So they go and they kick the ball. They had just scored, so victory kicks the ball. Bristow catches it, and they return it all the way back for a touchdown on a kickoff. So the momentum at that point, you'd think, oh, it all just got kicked out of our lungs. I mean, literally just, oh my goodness, he just ran it all the way back. But our team, rather than getting defeated, they got stirred up. They started jumping. If they can do it, we can do it. If they can do it, we can do it. This game's not over. We still got a minute left. If they can do it, we can do it. Some of y'all need to get that kind of spirit. I want to be like a football commentator and a preacher. I'm about to get crazy. <laughs> but listen, guys, they started stirring it up. Hey, can I just say something? If the world can do it, why can't the church do it? If Google... If Google can change the way we think, if, if, if Apple can change the world and, 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 and make a massive impact, why can't the church? If secular businessmen who've gotten a hold of thinking positive thoughts uh, can change the way that they do business, why can't the church get a hold of thoughts of faith and partner with God and say, God, if you did it back then, you can do it again. You know, there was a guy who got a hold of this message and he built a university across the street. His name is Oral Roberts. He started thinking, my God is bigger than the economy. My God is greater than any president that's on the planet. My God is, 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 the, is Jehovah Jireh. He started thinking, God, you can do this. And he built the city of faith. And he built an incredible university and an NCAA Division I basketball team. He started believing the church, the Christians, have to rise up and start walking with the spirit of faith. So our team... They were down by one touchdown. The other team kicked the extra point. They're down by one touchdown. 
they get the return kickoff, they go a few yards, they're down, they throw a play, it doesn't work, now there's 37 seconds left. They've got really just one or two more plays and the quarterback backs up and just chunks it down towards the end zone. And the ball is soaring, 30, 40, almost 50 yards towards the end zone. And he's just thinking, hopefully someone from victory is gonna catch this ball. And <laughs> the other team jumped up and intercepted it. Now you would think, oh my goodness, now it's definitely over, that's the end of the game. But there was a guy on our team that said, it's not gonna end like this, it's not gonna end like this, it's not gonna end like this. And his spirit of faith rose up, man, he knocked the ball out of the guy's arms that had just intercepted it, grabs it in the air and runs it back for a touchdown. Come on, victory conquers. But we were still down by one. With 30 seconds left, we had to do something. And you would think, well, let's just kick the extra point. Let's go into overtime. But our coach looked at the players and said, let's go for two. Let's go for two. Come on, people of faith, go for two. People of faith, take the risk. They step outside of their comfort zone. And if you don't know football, you have two options when you score a touchdown. You can kick the field goal for one point. This is just football 101. Or you can go for the extra two points, and that means you're a few yards back and you can't kick. You've got to either run it in or you've got to throw it in. So our quarterback began to scramble, and he's dodging tackles left and right. He finds his open guy, connects with him. Victory won the game by one point in the last 30 seconds. More than a conquer. Now, I tell you this story, church. I tell you this story because some of you, your life is like that game. You are down by three touchdowns. You think, man, I can't bounce back. Paul, look at the economy. I can't get a job. I'm not gonna be able to get promoted. This is the end for me. And some of us have accepted defeat in the mind. And we've gotta start stirring our faith up. Wait, I still got breath in my lungs. I, I'm still alive. God, you're not finished with me yet. My best days are still in front of me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, which means it, it must be conceived in here before it's achieved out there. If you can dream it, you can do it. If you can conceive it, you can achieve it. That's from the scriptures, by the way. Jesus said in Matthew 9, verse 27 through 29, the message version, two blind men were calling out, crying out to be healed. And Jesus looked at them and he said, become what you believe. This is Matthew 9, verse 27 through 29. He looks at these two blind men and he says, become what you believe. In other words, if you believe that you can be healed, then receive it. And it says immediately they received their sight. And my challenge for you this morning is that you would enroll into a school of faith and begin believing God for supernatural things. You might not think that God cares about the details of your life or football games or whatever, but listen to this, Psalm 37, verse 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights, look at that, in every detail of their life. I want us to say that together. He delights in every detail of their lives. God cares about the details of your life. He cares about the desires that are in your heart. If it can bring glory to God, God wants to see it happen. The question is, do you believe he can do it? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And you ask not because you doubt in your hearts that God will do it. So what do you think about God? What do you think God thinks about when he thinks about you? Do you think that God thinks good thoughts about you? David said, Lord, how wonderful are your thoughts towards me. How wonderful. David had a revelation that God thinks good about him. My friend Daniel had that same revelation and he was in high school and all of us were starting to buy cars. We, we needed transportation. We were junior, senior, 17, 18. And so we started saving up. I was mowing lawns. I bought my car and Daniel was looking to buy his car and he started to pray, Lord, I'm praying for a vehicle. And he thought, you know, I could pray for anything that has wheels and I'll get anything that has wheels. Or I could be a little more specific and say, God, 
You know the desire in my heart. You care about the details of my life. Since he was young, he had always liked Mustangs. Not just any kind of Mustang, a Mustang GT. Not just any kind of Mustang GT, not a red one, a black one, a white one. He wanted a silver exterior and a black leather interior with a CD player. Come on, he wanted a Mustang GT. And some of y'all might be thinking, well, that just sounds like a bunch of prosperity gospel. Well, here's the deal. You can believe for nothing in your life and you tell me how that works out. You can coast the rest of your life and not talk to God about the desires in your heart. You tell me what happens. Or you can walk up to God like you're a child of God and the Bible says that dads know how to give their kids good gifts. The Bible says when kids ask for a, a piece of bread, their dads won't give them a snake or a stone. How much more does your father in heaven wanna take care of his kids? I think some of us have a warped view about God. We think God doesn't care about us. We think God doesn't want us to ask him for the desires in our heart. We think we've got to come to God with our head down and put our tail between our legs like a doggy and just say, I'm so poor and pitiful and all I want is just to be poor and pitiful. No, listen, Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. In order to activate your faith, you've got to have something to believe for that you can't do on your own. If you can do it by yourself, where's God's job in your life? Only when you bring it to God. How many have something that you can't do that you need God to do in your life? All right, come on, Jesus. I'm here to stir up your faith. If Eric could build a youth group of a thousand people all in his own strength, that wouldn't be faith. But in order to tap into faith, he's got to go to God and say, God, I think there's 600 more teenagers in our city that aren't in church that you've called us to reach and only you can do it. So Lord, I'm coming by faith because you care about the details of my heart and you know I want to see our youth group grow and I want to reach more teenagers for Jesus. So Daniel began to dream, God, you care about. And Daniel told God, God, if you bless me with the Mustang GT, I'm gonna give every person a ride that needs a ride and I'm gonna bless someone with a car who needs a car when I'm done using it. And so God, sure enough, Daniel, well, let me tell you this, Daniel took a picture out of a magazine of a Mustang GT, put it in his locker, put one above his bed, and every night he would pray, Lord, I thank you for good dreams, good sleep, your angels are watching over me, and I thank you that Mustang GT, silver exterior, black leather interior is on the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel had already convinced himself in his heart, whether this prayer gets answered or not, doesn't cancel out my praise and thanks towards God. But I'm gonna go ahead and just let him know what I'm believing for. See, you have not because you ask not, and you ask not because you have a warped view of whether God likes you or not, whether God cares to help you. Sure enough, God showed up, blessed Daniel with that Mustang. He was giving people rides, hello right here. He was letting people use his car. He ended up giving that car away, blessing someone who needed a car with that Mustang. God has continued to bless Daniel as Daniel has come to God like a little boy coming to his dad saying, Daddy, do what only you can do that I can't do. Let me tell you another praise report. We had a guy in our church who didn't have enough money to take his family on vacation this summer. And he thought, I wonder if God cares about the details of my family. I wonder if he cares about maybe my family just getting away together. We've been going through a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of things that I've had to handle. I haven't got to spend much time with him. I've been working a lot and I don't have the money to take them on vacation, but God, you're a good God. And I'm gonna trust that maybe you could do this. Right, Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, you don't have to worry. Just like I take care of the birds in the air and the flowers in the field, I'm gonna take care of the details of your life. And that father wrote on a prayer request, Lord, I'd love to take my kids on a family vacation. My boy really wants to go to Legoland in California. If it could happen, Lord, I'm asking you. Either way, I'm gonna praise you no matter what. Sure enough, God showed up. They got to go on a vacation. They went to Legoland. They had an incredible time as a family, but they had to stretch their faith. I had another guy, and y'all might think these are small things. I had another guy who, by the way, God cares about the small stuff in your life too. I had another guy write a prayer request and he said, I'm going fishing. I haven't been fishing in a long time and, and I'm taking my wife. She's not really gone on a fishing trip with me and we've been wanting to do this just to grow our marriage, just to do something fun together, make a memory and we're gonna go fishing. I've been looking in the scriptures to see if God cares about people catching fish. 
Anyone who knows the Bible knows Jesus was hanging out with fishermen all the time. He was helping them catch fish. They started circling that thinking, God, we'd like to have a great fishing trip. Not just catch some fish, we wanna catch a lot of fish. They wrote back a praise report. God helped them catch so many trout. They had to throw so much back. They had an incredible meal, had a great memory time together as husband and wife. God cares about the details of your life. Are you asking him for anything? Do you think he loves you? Because he does. He cares about you. There's three things I think we've got to do in order to strengthen our faith, in order to get our faith activated and thinking on a greater level. Number one, we've got to hear God's word. You've got to listen to the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So number one, hear God's word. That's what you're doing this morning. Even as I'm preaching, faith is starting to grow on the inside of you. It's starting to build up. Maybe you thought, Paul, I could never graduate. No one in my family's ever gone to college. Paul, I could, I could never get out of debt. No one in my family's ever been debt free. We're always the borrower. We're never the lender. Paul, I could never do anything great. No one in my family has ever exceeded out of poverty. There's no way. Stop listening to the doubts and the skepticism of your own mind, your own self-talk, or even what people say. Some of us have filled our minds with what the news says. You know, this last week I was looking at a jobs report in this city, and there's close to 8,000 available jobs, full-time jobs in this city, just in Tulsa, not in Bixby or Glenpool or Broken Arrow, just in Tulsa, 8,000 full-time jobs. There's 1,400 part-time jobs. 2,000 of those jobs pay over $45,000 a year. Now, so many people come to me and say, Paul, I just don't know when I get out of college if there's going to be a job for me. I just don't know. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because the news wants to convince you that there's nothing good in your future and that everything's going down. We're all going in the dumps and doom and gloom. The sky is falling. The world is... Stop listening to negative voices. If it's not God's word, tune it out. You've got a great future in front of you. Your best days are not behind you. You will conquer whatever you're walking through. You will overcome that addiction. You're not going to be bound to that generational curse the rest of your life. You can get out of it. Faith is not just about seeing God bless you in some material way. I mean, that's, that's not a bad thing, but that's not the main thing. I think the main thing is God wants to see you healthy. He wants to see you set free of bondages in your mind. He wants you to get free of fear and doubt and constantly criticizing other people who get blessed and saying, it happens for them, it doesn't happen for me. Stop saying those kinds of things. You're canceling out the favor of God on your life. My friend Brian Bias was a drug addict and he had a wrecked marriage. He was cheating and his wife, it was just a mess. Everything was messy. And he shared this testimony. I'll never forget it. He said, my mom started sending me messages from your dad, Paul, of messages of faith. And he said, I was working on a trash truck. Every day I was around trash and I smelled like trash. You know, you can be around trash, but you don't have to think like trash. He said, I put in my Walkman and these cassette tapes that my mom was giving me and I would listen to your dad's messages of faith. I turned every drive into a school of faith. I began listening and hearing messages. See, this is something I started doing in college. I would start listening to podcasts and I would get a message of faith. If I had to listen to it 10 times in order for it to click, I would get it in there because here's the deal. There are strongholds on your mind and you've got to keep listening to God's word in order to detox those negative thoughts. Number two, it's not enough just to hear God's word. Number two, you've got to think on God's word. If you want to eat on another level, you've got to think on another level. You've got to meditate on God's word. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern or the behaviors or the customs of this world, but be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. What is God's will for you? Is it bad? Is it destructive? Is it to harm you? No, God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect for your life. God has a future and a hope to prosper you in the days ahead. The question is, do you believe it? You've got to start thinking on those thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says you will be transformed by changing the way you think. When you go to school, it changes the way you think. They sharpen your intellect. They sharpen your problem-solving ability. 
This is what faith begins to do is you're thinking on God's word. You're thinking about how Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You're thinking how Gideon with 300 guys took out a massive army. You're thinking about how David took down Goliath. You're thinking about how Paul wrote half the New Testament and he used to be a murderer. You're thinking about how people in the Bible had a terrible past, but God gave them an incredible future. You're thinking about people like Rahab and people like Mary who was caught in the act of adultery, but Jesus lifted her up and said, go and sin no more more where are your as you're thinking on thoughts that are good that God loves me he forgives me my past does not define my future that God has great plans for me I'm more than a conqueror I can do all things through Christ who strengthens as you're thinking on these thoughts it starts changing the way you live I'll never forget when I was in high school and I saw a movie called princess diaries come on somebody y'all weren't ready for that Yeah, that was out of left field. It was, th this movie was about a girl named Mia. Everybody say Mia. Now, Mia thought she was a mess, and she was a mess. She was 16 years old, lived in a, a messy apartment with her single-parent mom, and both of them were disorganized. Things were a little chaotic, and she saw herself as invisible. She'd look in the mirror and say, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm invisible. Nobody cares about me. Nobody likes me. And she was constantly consumed with thoughts of feeling like she's invisible. One day... In this movie, she gets a letter and finds out her father, whom she never knew, had passed away. What she didn't realize is that her father was the king of Genovia. Now, Genovia doesn't exist, but in the movie it does. <laughs> you tracking with me? Her grandmother comes to visit her and says, you have royal blood inside of you. You're an heir to the throne. Mia's like, <laughs> I'm invisible, I'm ugly, I, I can't do anything, I can't even talk, I can't look at people, I'm so, I'm so intimidated. And the grandmother says, I'm gonna take you to princess training school. Come on, school of faith. Some of us need to enroll into the school of faith. Princess, prince, training school. So her grandmother starts walking her through these classes. She's gotta learn how to walk because she walks like this. She always walks like she's defeated. Her grandmother says, you're gonna get some swagger to your walk. She didn't know how to look at people. When people were talking to her, she had her head down. She just, she was too intimidated. She was worthless. She felt like she was unworthy. Grandmother said, when people talk to you, you're gonna look them in the eyes because no one should intimidate you. You're a daughter of the king. You've got royal blood in the inside of you. She didn't know how to talk. Every time she talked, she was disorganized and chaotic and, and she was stuttering and she was messing up her words. And her grandmother says, when you talk, you're gonna command the authority in the room. You're gonna speak with boldness, command the attention of people that are listening to you. You're a daughter of the king. She started speaking differently. It all started in the mind and it transformed her life. By the end of the movie, she was turned into a princess, a crown princess, and she became the queen of Genovia. Now, when I was watching this movie, I started thinking, now track with me, I started thinking, all right, the Bible says that we are children of God. First John chapter one says, you are children of God. The Bible also says that we don't just have a king, we have the king of kings as our father. The Bible says you are heirs to his kingdom, which means that you are children of the king, prince and princesses, kings and queens. Why are you acting like you can't do anything? Why are you acting like God doesn't like you? Why are you thinking on a level of intimidation and constantly feeling invisible and ugly and worthless and no good? Stop thinking those negative thoughts. This morning, I'm here to transform your mind. You are a child of the King. You are a daughter of the Most High. You are beautiful and wonderfully made. You are not ugly. You are not invisible. God sees you and that's all that matters. And he's not forgotten about you. He's not forsaken you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You know, Paul the Apostle, he was in prison. He was incarcerated when he wrote the book of Philippians. The prison that he was in was beneath the ground and the city sewage ran through his prison. The sewage would come up close to his waist, people believed. Most theologians believed that Paul was in waist-deep sewage. Now, you can be in waist-deep sewage, but you don't have to let the sewage get in here. Here's the, here's the thing. Faith doesn't allow the outside to dictate the inside. Faith lets the inside dictate the outside. Paul wrote in Philippians, while he's sitting in sewage, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He who started this work in me will be faithful to complete it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. All of the amazing scriptures in Philippians were written in a season and a circumstantial place where Paul decided the outside will not dictate the inside. See, if you can get on the inside, I am more than a conqueror. This is not the end. 2016 is going to end better than it began. God's not finished with me yet. If they can do it, I can do it. You know, Google started with two 19-year-old boys at Stanford University who started thinking, I wonder if we could build a website in 1996, 20 years ago. I wonder if we could build a website where we organize information, where people search for something and it pulls up all the results. Two 19-year-olds, what could we do? They had an imagination. The Bible says to cast down bad imaginations. The Bible also says to lift up good imaginations. Set your mind on things that are above, things that glorify Christ. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, think on these things, thoughts that are true, thoughts that are honorable, thoughts that are right, thoughts that are pure, thoughts that are lovely, thoughts that are excellent and worthy of praise. What are you thinking? In order to make room for the good thoughts, you've got to empty out the negative thoughts. Some of us have 13% of worry rented out in our mind. 27% of jealousy rented out in this side of our mind. 10% of comparison. 20% of fear. 16% of stress. And we wonder why we have little faith in our life. Because the majority of our mind is rented out to negative thoughts. And Jesus is saying, come on, come on. You guys are better than Google. You guys are better than IBM. Get with the program. I want to bless you to be a blessing to the world. We've got enough crosses in the church. We need crosses in the marketplace. We need business people that will start thinking and activating their faith that God, if you did it for Google and they don't even know you, Lord, do it for me because I'm a partner with you and I want to advance your kingdom in the earth. Stir up your faith. I'm almost done, but I'm just feeling in this room right now, there's a shift happening. Bill Winston said this, and I'm going to say it again. By December, things will be vastly different in your life. By December of this year, things can be different in your marriage, in your health, in your finances. You've got to start thinking on the right thoughts. Number three, believe in God's word. Believe in God's word. How many of y'all felt the earthquake yesterday? <sighs> if you're watching this, we had a 5.8 earthquake in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was sitting there and it was shaking and I didn't know what to do. I was like, is this gonna stop? <laughs> when is this gonna end? <laughs> Me and Ashley are just looking at each other, trying to figure out what to do. Anyone else kind of feel hopeless? It's like, you can't control the earthquake, you know? And sometimes in life, you hit uncontrollable circumstances. You go through things, it's like, you can't control that. When you're on an airplane and you start to experience turbulence and you try to figure out you're holding the plane like you're gonna command the turbulence to stop, well, you can pray for it to stop. But more importantly than trying to stop the turbulence, why don't you take control of your mind? Because the mind goes into panic whenever you're going through those earthquakes, those turbulent moments, those moments where, like me, rappelling down that building and my mind started racing towards the most terrible negative thoughts, I had to take control. I had to start believing my God is good and he's going to get me on the ground in Jesus' name. <laughs> I will live and not die, declare the works of the Lord. You've got to start believing that God's with you. He's for you. He's not against you. He has plans to prosper you. You've got to believe he's a good God. A.W. Tozer said this, that what we think about God really determines the course of our life. What we really, if you have a view that God's a bad God or he's a mad God or he's a sad God or he's angry at you or he doesn't really like you or he's just finished with you and he wants to wipe the earth clean of you. If you have those kinds of views about God, you're not gonna ask him for help. You're not gonna ask him to strengthen your family or bless your marriage with a, a, a two-day vacation to hang out together. You're not gonna ask him to give you a promotion at work because you're afraid that he even likes you. But if you would start believing what the scriptures say about God instead of what you think about God, if you'd start believing, man, God loves me. He loves the righteous. And guess what? You didn't earn your righteousness. You received it by faith when you released your faith in Jesus Christ. 
So don't get off in this track thinking you've got to earn it still. You've got to continue walking by faith that God still loves me the way he loved me when I first responded to Jesus Christ and he's not done with me. And yeah, I might have made some mistakes, but God has great things for my future. I want my friend AJ to come up here and we're going to close out the service today with a, a time to activate our faith. I want you to hear his testimony. It's powerful. Before he shares it, let me say this. Acts 27, Paul the apostle was in a, a shipwreck, a storm. For many days, the storm raged. And I think many of you have been going through a storm this year, financially. I think even in your faith, you've just felt, you've kind of just been inactive. You started off strong, let's take ground. But then spring, summer, and God's saying, it's time to move back into drive, pedal to the metal. During that storm, it seemed like all hope was lost. It said they couldn't see the sun, they couldn't see the stars. But Paul brought together the crew, verse 21. This is what I'm doing this morning. I'm bringing the crew together. And my name's Paul. So I got the crew together. It says he spoke to him. He said, guys, I gave you warnings. I told you things that you shouldn't have done. But listen, the past is behind us. Go to verse 22. He says, take courage. None of you will lose your lives. The ship will go down, but you're not gonna lose your life. God's with you out here. For last night, an angel of the Lord came and visited me, the God whom I serve, and he stood beside me and he said these words. Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What you've dreamed about doing, you're going to see it happen in your lifetime. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. And then Paul said this, so take courage, for I believe God. Do you believe God? What are you believing him for? I want you to begin thinking about that. What am I believing God for? In Acts 28, they stumbled across these islanders. In verse two, it says they treated us with extraordinary kindness, extraordinary. One version says unusual favor. I saw that this last week and man, I've had some unusual favor happen recently, crazy favor. And I'm going, how did this happen? And God said, start believing that I'm gonna give you even more unusual favor for your church, for the members of this church, for those that are attending, that you're gonna start experiencing extraordinary favor from God. AJ, you had something like that happen. Share what it was. Well, in 2005, a 19-year-old kid, we were actually in the building campaign for this building. We were having services across the street at Old Robbins University in the Maybe Center. And at that particular time, I was believing God for $30,000 for my college tuition. Grew up in a single parent home, uh, you know, was on course to be the first person in my family to graduate from college. And at the end of service, Pastor Billy Joe got up and he said, I feel like there are people in here that can sow a seed of 500 to $1,000 to go towards this building we're sitting in today. And to my name, all that I had in pennies and nickels and dimes, everything, all I had was $50. In college, as a, a sophomore, I was eating beans and rice and Jesus Christ. That's all I, all I could afford at the time. But I, I felt stirred in my faith to, to give that $50. And I said, God, he said 500 to 1,000. I don't, I don't have $500. I barely have 50. But my faith was stirring. Give the $50. So an offering envelope, I, I gave the $50 and I walked out of the service and before the service ended, Pastor Billy Joe said, if you don't have the $500 or $1,000 right now, take an offering envelope and believe God to fill it. Stretch your faith. And I didn't take an offering envelope, but I was walking to my car and I felt convicted. So I turned back around and I got it. I said, God, I don't have any more money left. All of my, my, my money, the little small $50, I've just sold it. You want me to believe God for 500? That was like a million dollars to believe God for at that time. But I went back in and I took an offering envelope and I just remember driving back like, okay, God, I, now I'm believing God not only for 500, but I'm believing God for over $30,000 in tuition to go to the University of Tulsa. And I still to this day, out of nowhere, I don't know how it happened, but people started walking up, giving me money for this, money for that. Money just started pouring in in a short, matter of time, I had over $500 for the seed, for the pledge that I, I took that, that Sunday morning. So I remember filling out the offering envelope and I was so grateful. I was so excited and I was, I was crying. The offering envelope started getting wet because I was crying so hard thinking, thank you, Lord, you're so faithful. But I was also crying because I was filled with fear. 
God, what am I going to do? It's Sunday. The tuition is due on Thursday. God, I need over 30,000. My family doesn't have it. What am I going to do? I'm, I have no other options. But I still sowed the seed. And I remember the bucket was passing by and I looked and I said, I need that money. I, I need that money. Maybe I should go get, tell, tell the usher to please give me back my offering envelope. I really did. Fear, fear was, was overwhelming my mind. But faith was stirring. Release what's in your hand. Release it. So in one aspect, I'm, I'm crying filled with faith. In the other aspect, I'm crying and filled with fear. What am I going to do? What about me? And I cried the whole way back to campus. And this was Sunday. Monday came. The money was due on Thursday. No, I, I got no word. Tuesday, okay, I'm, I'm, the anxiety is really filling my mind. Nothing. Wednesday. The, the, my RA on the floor put this yellow notice on my door, your money's due. And it's like, oh man, you're in a dorm. It's like, hey, wrong door, buddy. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. But I was freaking out. Thursday comes, or Wednesday comes, I get this, or Thursday, I get the red notice. Walk into the financial, I just felt that morning to go walk to the financial aid. That night before my roommate and I, we just began to pack my bag because I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to have to leave campus. Thursday morning, I felt to go to the financial aid. Sat down, and there was a, a line of people. Sat down and walked in. My name was called. And he said, AJ, everything you needed has been taken care of. <laughs> Praise God. And Praise AJ, God. you were the first person in your family to go through college. Yeah, today first person in my family to graduate from college wow. and you know this yeah praise God and why do I share that story because some of you are in that situation where you're facing unbearable overwhelming obstacles and you say God I don't know how I'm gonna get through this God I don't know how I'm gonna survive this God I need a financial breakthrough our rent is due our mortgage is due God, how am I going to get to school? How am I going to send my kid through Victory Christian School? Release what's in your hand so that way God's floodgates of heaven can be poured out on your life. And I want to share in closing quickly, John chapter 6. It's, it's the story of how Jesus fed the 5,000, not including men, not including women and children, just 5,000 men. And there was the disciples were saying, Lord, send the people home. It's late in the afternoon. We're hungry. We're hungry. Send them home so they can go find food and shelter. Jesus turns and says, you feed them. You f and they're like, what? Lord, this will take eight months worth of wages. We don't have that right now. It'll take us forever. But a little boy pressed through the crowd. He pressed through and he had five loaves and, and two fish. And it says in verse 11, John 6, verse 11, Jesus took the bread and having given thanks to those who were seated, and he did the same with the fish and all ate as much as they want. Everybody say all. All ate. What is that? That's an abundance. A little boy that was willing to trust Jesus with his fish sandwich, with his fish box, his willingness to trust Jesus and said, hey, I know this is not much, but I'll give it. And his willingness to trust Jesus was a miracle for so many people. Your willingness to trust Jesus is a miracle for someone else. And I want to challenge you because faith is an action verb. Me sowing that $50, me sowing that $500, I reaped a harvest of over $30,000 that my family couldn't afford, that I couldn't afford, that no one around me could afford. So today I'm going to challenge you to do something with your faith. Step out of the water. So at the end of your row are offering envelopes. I'm challenging you to step out over and above. Some of you are in need right now. When you have a need, sow a seed. Your tithe is 10%. I'm challenging you to give over and above. Everybody say over. Say it again, over. I'm challenging you because you're in need right now, some of you. But what are you willing to do? In this series, Pastor Paul and I were talking last night. We are believing God, that before the end of this month, before the end of this sermon series, that the tide is coming in. The blessings of God will overwhelm each and every one of you. But what do you have to do? You've got to step out. Stepping out makes you nervous. Stepping out makes you uncomfortable. But stepping out is where the trust and the faith to believe.
God is. Can you see it? Right AJ, now, you... that's, and that's just like what we did when we went over the edge, man. Over, oh, yeah, yeah, Pastor Paul and I were cheering out. each other. We had to step out. And I think just as AJ has been sharing this, anything of faith requires that risk, stepping out of your comfort zone. There's some in this room you gave 20 years ago outside of your comfort zone, and you watch God take care of you. But it's been 20 years since you did that. Maybe it's been 10, maybe it's been five, six years. Let's reactivate that stepping out of the comfort zone type of faith. That type of faith where I say, God, this is above my natural ability, so I need supernatural help. He's gonna give it to you. AJ, would you pray right now as people are giving offering? Lord, we honor you today. The name that's above every name, the name that's above every fear, every thought that's against the Word of God, all fear, anxiety, and worry, and doubt. The name of Jesus is higher. The name of Jesus is stronger. So Lord, we exalt you today. We lift you high above everything that we're facing. God, we think that as you call us among the waters, we step out. And as we take a step of faith, we receive blessings. We receive increase, supernatural increase over every seed, every person here watching online all over the world. We expect a mighty miracle and a mighty harvest in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. The Holy Spirit's telling me right now, some of you have been hijacked. Next week is September 11th. We remember what our country has gone through. We remember what happened that day. And I feel spiritually there's been some hijacking going on in your faith. There's been doubt that's crept in, that's taken over your mind. There's been skepticism and criticism and people have told you, you can't believe for that. People have told you God's not like that. People have tried to convince you that God's against you. And in some way, you need to get your mind fixed back on faith. You need to get your thoughts and your heart and your belief back in what God says. Not in what others say, but in what God says. Some of you have given up on miracles, on dreams, because one prayer didn't get answered. But you don't stop going to work just because one day is a bad day. You keep going, you keep going. You don't give up on marriage just because you have one rough week. You don't give up on parenting just because your kid rebels one time. You keep on going and the same goes with faith. You don't give up just because one thing doesn't happen this morning. You gotta take back over that plane. You gotta take charge of your faith again. Thinking of thoughts of faith, believing the words of God, hearing the word of God. This morning with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need that, I want you to just lift your hand. You need to get your faith grounded again in the Word of God. You need to let go of doubt, fear, skepticism, worry, stress. Some of you have been believing for a miracle. This morning you're here and you say, I need to get my faith reactivated again. I want you to just leave your seat. Come down to this altar right now. Come down to this altar. Maybe you're like AJ. You've been faced with a situation. You don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe you're three days away from this miracle miracle that has to happen. Maybe you're four hours away from a decision that has to be made that could alter the course of your life. And this morning, you're a college student, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a grandparent, you just got served papers, maybe you just got a doctor's notice, maybe you've been given a negative report. This morning, stir up your faith. Take back over that plane. Take back over that faith in Jesus' name. Not just for you, but for future generations. Not just for you, but for your children, for your future children. There's young adults, you're coming down here this morning. You have no clue what God's about to do in you, for you, and through you. How many of you, 2016 has not been what you expected it to be? Just raise your hand. 2016 has given you some unexpected curveballs that haven't been easy to deal with. God started stirring me up this summer to get our church fixed back on faith, to fix our hearts back on faith. God is for me, He's not against me. God's not done with me. 2016 is gonna end greater than it started. My last four months of this year, this beginning of school year, Lord, I'm gonna see you do miraculous things in me, for me, through me, and it's all gonna be to your glory. It's not for me, it's for you, God. 
Psalm 23, David said, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. There's more in this room that need to come down to this altar. Pride's trying to hold you back. Complacency's trying to keep you in your seat. But faith is tugging at your heart. The game's not over. There's still time on the scoreboard. I know it looks like you're down, just like our team was down by three touchdowns. But something on the inside, just in those last seconds, when the ball was intercepted, one of our players said, this is not how it's gonna end. This is not how it's gonna end. It's not gonna end like this. It's not gonna end like this. Some of us need to take charge again. You need to bring, you need to get the ball back. You need to strip Satan of the ball. You know, that was a great comeback that VCS had, but we serve the God of all comebacks. We serve the God who was down, not for three touchdowns, but three days down in the earth, and he stripped the ball from Satan. He stripped the keys of sin and death and hell in the grave, and he's given you authority over every serpent, over every circumstance. He's given you power. You are a son of the king. You've got royal blood inside of you. Hebrews 4 says, come boldly into his throne room of grace. Psalm 37 says, God directs your steps and he cares about every detail in your life. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Lord, I pray for faith to rise up. Faith to rise up. Just lift your hands down at this altar. Receive it. Lord, I pray, God, for fresh faith, fresh hope. You're not defeated. You're not defeated. You're not defeated. God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. God's not finished with you. God loves you. He's your father. And if fathers on this earth know how to give good things to their children, how much more does our father in heaven want to take care of you? He wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. Supernatural help from heaven. Lord, I pray for supernatural help in marriages, supernatural favor on businessmen and businesswomen, on realtors. God, supernatural favor on college students, supernatural favor, Lord Jesus, for singles, supernatural favor for parents and grandparents, for those believing for transportation, believing for a job, believing for help, believing for greater health. In Jesus' name. This is not how it's gonna end. You're gonna get through this. I believe God, you will make it. Take courage, take courage in Jesus' name. Jesus. You know, church, I said this in the 9 a.m. My flesh is always tempted to just cut something off because I'm afraid people just wanna leave. But this morning, the Holy Spirit just quickened me, said, Paul, let me finish my work. Don't end it too soon. And I know some of y'all have emergencies, you gotta slip out, but let me just say this, because I think Holy Spirit's not done right now. He's not done. Some of you, I still feel like you are hijacked in your mind by doubt and skepticism. As we were singing that song, With Everything, can we get ready to sing that song again? When we were singing that this morning, I turned around and when we shouted, whoa,
feel something changing in the atmosphere? How many could feel something was changing? Chains are being broken. Chains are being broken. I'll never forget as a kid when I was at a power team concert. Power team. How many of y'all remember the power team? It was a group of Christian men that were strong and they would do these feats of strength, but there was one that they would do that was a chain. It was a thick steel, like metal, intense chain that was hard to break. And they would pull it over their leg and they couldn't get it. They'd pull it up against other guys. They couldn't get it. But they'd get the crowd to start praying and start saying, Jesus, Jesus. And they would say, the only thing that can break chains is Jesus. It's Jesus. You can't do it in your own strength. It's Jesus. This morning as we were shouting, I just imagined they would do this in the concert as people started shouting Jesus. All of a sudden, they would break those chains like it was nothing. And I think about how David took Goliath down like it was nothing. And I think about even before Samson had his fall, he snapped those strings like it was nothing. There's things in your life that as you begin to speak the name of Jesus, as you begin to shift the way you've been thinking, chains are going to break in a supernatural way. God's going to give you favor unusual favor I feel to share this because I think some of you are about to step into opportunities that you didn't imagine you would ever step into this last week I got an opportunity that was beyond my natural ability or connections I got a phone call saying would you be a spiritual voice of 11 other voices that are going to speak into a specific person and I'll speak into anyone who opens the door for me to speak into them. Whoever, whatever leader gives me a chance to, to spiritually be an influence, I'm not a discriminator against spirit, speaking spiritual influence. And so I got on the phone and I was speaking spiritually into Donald Trump this week. It was me and 11 other leaders. And I'm on the phone and I'm the youngest guy on the phone by 30 years. And it's James Robison and Tony Evans down in Dallas and James Dobson, a focus on the family, Jensen Franklin, Apollo White. I'm going, God, I put myself on mute because my babies were screaming. And I go, God, how did I get into this? And I remembered the scripture in Acts 28 too. God said, I'm about to give you unusual favor with the people in this nation. I'm gonna give your church unusual favor. I'm about to open up doors your life is bigger. Your influence is greater than you can even imagine. God has greater things. Don't limit our God. We serve a God with no limits, no boundaries. We serve a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you ask, hope, dream, or imagine. God is a good God. And He's getting ready in Jesus' name. He's getting ready to take you places you've never gone before, but it's going to require faith. I wasn't praying for that opportunity, but when it came across my path, I took it. And I believe God's gonna give you opportunities that you haven't even prayed for, but when it comes, you're gonna go, that had to be God. That had to be God, that that client showed up at my office, that God gave me this promotion, that God blessed me with college tuition, that God paid for my kids to go to that school, that God healed my marriage, that God gave our family a vacation, that God did, God's getting ready to do things and you're gonna turn around and say, it had to be God, it had to be God. And I'm telling you church, it's not for our glory, it's for His glory. David said it, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your glory, for your name's sake. If you'll just trust in God, commit to Him the dreams, the plans, the desires, let go of the fear, let go of the jealousy, let go of the skepticism, and just say, God, I'm all yours. And however you want to use me to bring you glory, I want to be part of your plan. I'm a partner with you. Lord, I want to advance your kingdom. I believe there's businessmen in this church that are going to take hold of faith and you're going to multiply your business before 2016 is over. You're going to multiply and you're going to use it to advance the kingdom of God. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Lord, I just pray right now for favor on this church, grace on this church, supernatural open doors and opportunities. Pray these words with me. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I repent of any action any thought, any word 
that's contrary to your word I receive your forgiveness renew my mind transform my life use me God for your glory I'm all yours in Jesus name amen and amen give God praise I love you